In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't only bring you thought leaders from around the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what the show's about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or individual career. So listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. So you can listen to us all over the net. Now, I invite you to connect with me and send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And send me an email and tell me what kind of subjects you would like to hear on this show. But if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. And before I introduce our guests, um, I just want to share with you, I had the most exciting experience a couple weeks ago. Um, I had the exceptional privilege to visit one of the world's top cyber centers. Now, I can't say which one I did, but it was amazing experience. And then what I saw is the knowledge a company or a country can obtain by watching cyber attacks is astonishing. Actually, when I was in this center, it was one week before Russia attacked the Ukraine. And the expert in the center was watching the cyber attacks from Russia to the Ukraine and predicted from them that in the next 10 days, an attack would happen. And that was amazing for me, um, how they can come up with these predictions. There was this huge map on the wall and it had the world and there were these little dots kind of shooting out all over the place. They kind of looked like little missiles and you could see cyber attacks coming from the Middle West in the US to the uh, Europe, to Iran, to Iraq, it was amazing. So I started thinking about this and started thinking with all this activity going on, you know, the, I was watching countries, but what happens in companies, okay? I mean, there's so much going on in cyber today. And our guest today is an expert in helping remote and mobile workforces navigate the balance between staying motivated, feeling connected to a company, but ensuring that the technology they are using is secure. Dennis O'Shea is the founder of Mobile Mentor, a global leader in endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. The company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for modern endpoint management, primarily for their work in helping live hospice safely treat patients during the COVID-19. And in addition to being a top Microsoft partner, they're also certified by Apple and Google. So Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kimberly. Such a privilege to be on your show. Yeah, this is great. You know, um, I just let's just kind of think back for a minute. I mean, this this transition of, of the work place that's happened, which is the end driver for endpoint, which is a driver for endpoint security, um, happened when everybody kind of went in massive scale into the home offices. So what were the first issues that when you were working with companies that they were facing? I guess the first issues were the sense of urgency and crisis that everybody was dealing with. Because when we think back to March 2020, 
everybody had to very suddenly move from an office-based work environment, which had been the norm for 20 years or, or longer, and suddenly go home. And people left the office since some were lucky they had a laptop and they were good to go. Some people had to put a, a desktop under one arm and a monitor under the other arm and <laughs> struggle to get all that set up. So there was the initial urgency and the fran- frenetic and frantic activity to try and get people working from home for the first time in, in, yeah. in many people's careers. So that was probably the first thing. Um, but as you know, it, it evolved from there very quickly. And what we saw happen was people settled into working from home. And then all of a sudden, this massive wave of, wave of cybercrime started. Mm. And I think we saw a 500% increase in cybercrime in the year 2020. It was really, really tragic. And we could see cyber criminals going after, you know, very targeted organizations, schools and hospitals and government organizations. So that was a that was a major um, issue for us in society. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, um, so, what, you know, did did the employees and, and I mean, not from a technical point of view, what was you know, did they understand this was happening or or. Um, you just recently did a survey. I'm going to come to that again, but but just in that first wave, were were we just overwhelmed and surprised that all of this all of a sudden this happened? We were we were overwhelmed and surprised. We were not ready, and our defenses were down because we had people working from home with suboptimal configurations, really, and people are working on their home Wi-Fi. And if you think about a home Wi-Fi network, it's not that secure. Yeah, And in my case, I'm working from home and I'm sharing my home Wi-Fi with the TikTok generation mm-hmm. and the YouTube generation and the Fortnite generation. And everyone's sharing the same Wi-Fi connection, which is a consumer grade device we just bought from AT&T or somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole world, right? Everybody's working from home on a consumer grade network, not a corporate secure network. Mm-hmm. And then in many cases, people are using their personal devices because yeah. The other mega trend that happened with COVID and cybercrime was the global chip shortage. So the world just had this massive shortage of, of chips. So yeah. there was a shortage of laptops and tablets and smartphones and everything for a while. So that meant that people were now using their personal computers, personal MacBooks and iPads and laptops in the home to do work. And they're on a consumer-grade Wi-Fi connection. Mm-hmm. And so the risk profile was, was growing. Uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then if we think about what happened next, it's really fascinating. When we thought we were coming out of the pandemic in late 2020, companies started hiring again. And they were hiring remote employees and onboarding them remotely. So now you're, you're onboarding people into companies that you've never met. You've never seen the setup in their home office. You don't quite know what they're doing. And they're using their personal devices and they're accessing your work applications. Wow. Hey, you know, I, I never thought of it that way, and I want to come back to that, you know, because you, you have no idea if, if what their home office looks like. You're right. I, I didn't think of it from that perspective, but I want to come back to that and onboarding a little bit later. But just just to, to this actual transition, okay, you just recently did some market research, okay, and now we're two years later, okay, we're talking about when that happened, 2020, we're now, you know, two years, almost uh, March 2022, so it's really two years on the dot, okay, Yeah. and and you just did this um, market research, and and one of the foundings that you found in the market research that I read is that employers and employees are still not aligned, that, that, um, their values around privacy and, and security are, are not exactly the same. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can, and it was really fascinating. And one of the reasons we did this study was to understand what's actually happening out there in people's home offices. Mm-hmm. And what are the perceptions and attitudes people now have two years into this towards security, towards privacy? Uh, how are people feeling about this? And what are they actually doing? in their home office environment where nobody can see what's actually going on. And what we found was that people care very, very deeply about their personal privacy Mm -hmm. and they care a lot less about company security. And this was quite shocking in a way because we surveyed highly regulated industries that should be really secure, that should have really good awareness of cybersecurity, that should have good password policies, that should have good cybersecurity training, and we found that 
what we thought should be the case is not actually the case. And there's yeah. a big gap between what employers think is happening and what employees believe is important to them personally. Yeah. And the balance is really around privacy versus security. Yeah. And, and do you think, do, do you think, is there a difference? Did you come across anything like generation wise or country wise? I mean, I said, um, I live part time in Germany, which has like the strictest, you know, privacies and was the initiator of GDPR and everything. Um, and, you know, when I go to the States, I see kind of a little less. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I look at the Generation Z. I have a couple of those in my family. Okay. <laughs> you know, did you find any differences in, in generations or countries? We did. We did find some remarkable differences. And we, we surveyed by generation. And that Generation Z is a fascinating bunch. I've got a couple <laughs> of them as well. And they're really interesting because what we found is they don't really see security policies in a company or they don't notice them. And when companies, you know, communicate security policies to them, they're kind of, they're not listening, they're blind to mm -hmm. it. But when companies communicate privacy policies to them, oh my God, they're listening. Mm -hmm. They actually read those policies. They're all over it. And the same with security awareness training, they don't really notice it. Um, but, but anything to do with privacy, they're hyper sensitive to that. So there's a really interesting insight here for companies, which is that instead of banging on about security and the importance of securing ourselves, if we reframe the message to say, this is about privacy and our goal is to protect your privacy as an employee and your colleagues' privacy and protect your data. And then of course, protect our patients' data or our student data or our client data. Now they're listening when we frame it as privacy rather than the, the, the tired old subject of security. So that's wow. how we find we can get the attention of the younger generation who really care about privacy, but they're not listening to security messaging. Yeah, that 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 that's really interesting because it's kind of a uh, an oxymoron when you think about TikTok and everything else on top of I it. I know <laughs> it's so. unbelievable, and I, and I, honestly, Kimberly, I have not reconciled that in my mind because I watch how much these kids share and how much detail they give away about their lives, and yeah. I think, right, so clearly privacy can't be that important to you, but yet they tell us it is. And, and I'm a different generation. Yeah. I'm Gen X. And um, we think differently. And, and I think I guess the really interesting thing for employers is thinking about the Gen Z people who joined the workforce in the last two years, right? They joined um, they're between 20 and 23 years old. And they joined the workforce, many of them during the pandemic. And many of them are working remotely. And they never knew an office-based work environment. Yeah like you and I did. They never yeah. had that work culture. So they only know their employer through yeah. the lens of being a remote worker who was onboarded remotely in many cases and working remotely through these, these difficult times. Yeah. So they've got a very unique worldview. And the other mm -hmm. fascinating thing about those Gen Z people is they're the only generation that have no recollection of 9-11. Mm -hmm. Every other generation was profoundly impacted by the events of 9-11 and, and what happened after that, except Gen Z, they were in nappies. And so they yeah. sauntered through life without the emotional impact that, that we all carried from 9-11. Mm -hmm. And then they joined the workforce during a pandemic. So they've got a unique worldview. And when we think about what that means for employers, well, if I'm you know, a Gen X manager, leader in a company, I've got no hope. I've got no, I don't have any chance of changing the attitudes and perceptions and behaviors Gen Z bring into my company. Yeah. I actually have to study them and learn from them, adapt to them, because there's going to be a whole bunch more joining in May this year when they graduate, yep. and May next year and the year after. And then eventually they're going to flood the workforce. They're going to become the managers and the leaders. And so we've got to, we've got to learn how to embrace them and change the way we do messaging and we do our policies and we do you know, how we run our companies will be shaped around Gen Z to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm fascinated by them. They're a really yeah. interesting bunch and we have to learn to harness their talents and their energy. Yeah. Um, and and that's what that's and you're right. I I never thought about the nine eleven thing, but you're right. Of course I see it in my own family. Um but um it's quite interesting, but we're and I want to talk about the talent and harnessing the talent and and the balance between the security and an employee experience, which was you know put into your study. But we're going to take a short break first, 
And for our listeners, we are talking to Dennis O'Shea, and he's the founder of Mobile Mentor, a global leader in the endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. The company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for Modern Endpoint Management, primarily for their work helping alive hospice safely treat patients during COVID-19. In addition to being a top Microsoft partner, they are certified by Apple and Google. Now, if you'd like to learn more about them, you can go to their website, which is www.mobile-mentor.com. They also, Dennis also has a website and a blog under dennisoshea.com. And he is also on LinkedIn under Dennis O'Shea Mobile Mentor, on Twitter under at Mobile Mentor, and on YouTube. It's a very nice YouTube channel under Moby Mentor, user Moby Mentor. So please go and reach out to him on his website. Now, this broadcast is brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And each month, Cinda holds a learning series on Thursdays at 1700 called Thought Leadership Thursday. And they also have live conferences. And the next live conference is May 16 to 18 in Mallorca, Spain. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Not enough women are talking about how they feel about their money. Lisa Chastain is on a mission to change that. If you're feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become capable, savvy, and confident with your personal finances. Listen in and hear stories from other women about how they tackled their financial challenges. Not only will you learn from industry experts, you will hear from everyday women all of the tips, tricks, and advice you need to raise your financial IQ so that you can feel free from your daily stresses with money. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Defeat the Chaos with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler hits on topics every week that affect small business owners across this country. They provide insights that show entrepreneurs how to reduce stress, wear fewer hats, and work shorter hours. Take your business from being owner-dependent and stagnant to growth-ready and process-driven every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Dennis O'Shea, and he's the founder of Mobile Mentor, a global leader in the endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. The company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for Modern Endpoint Management, primarily for their work in helping a live hospice safely treat patients during the COVID-19. Um, in addition, they are a top Microsoft partner and also certified by Apple and Google. So, Dennis, we were, we were kind of talking about 
the situation, how it was and how it is today. And before the before the break, we're talking about um, Generation Z. And I want to I want to come back to um, something that you said that really resonated with me on on hiring during this whole time and onboarding and um, and it's also in your experience your employee experience study that you did the market research you did um, you know you're right you know there's this huge hiring that went on it might have been a lot of generations that but nobody. You know, you don't see these people. It's so hard to interview virtually. Um, you always get a different feeling when you kind of meet somebody in person. I mean, we, we're getting better mm. at virtual now. <laughs> but, um, you know, how you know, how do you find employees and onboard them in this remote environment? I think finding is easier than ever because of all the online tools and services that are available. But onboarding people has been a remarkably difficult challenge for many companies. And what we learned from the, the research study we did was that it takes about three days for people to get their devices set up in their home office when they join a new company. And we, we asked them about setting up a desktop or laptop or tablet or their smartphones and getting those devices configured so they can work for their new employer. And the results really stunned us. It was like between two and four days, depending on the device and depending on the industry. And so we found that process of setting up new devices for remote employees to be really clunky and quite painful. And and to set up a device or set up the devices that people need, not only does it take three days, it takes about three support calls as well. So they need to get help about three times. And each time they do, it often takes hours for them to get their issue resolved. So the first experience for people joining their new employer and setting up all their devices and going through all the stigma of having to ask for help all these times, it's not a great experience. Mm-hmm. And and is this because now when you're seeing this, are they using their personal devices or, or are they getting devices from the companies? And um, you're seeing that with, with the companies you work with. What's happening? That's a great question. It's a mix. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this phenomenal blurring of the lines happen over the last couple of years. So before the pandemic, we all talked about BYOD, bring your own device, where you could use your personal iPhone for work and get email. That was not such a big deal. And companies had kind of figured out how to deal with that. Now you've got people uh, wanting to use personal laptops, personal desktops, tablets, and all that, and have them configured to be able to do their work, which means those devices need to have some security on them. And so for companies, Trying to set up that security for a remote employee on devices they've never seen, for a person they've never met, in a home office that they've got no idea about, um, that's a a much tougher ask. And in doing so, in the face of rising cybercrime, where everyone's more vulnerable, that's a tough challenge. Mm -hmm. And and you you talk about, you you found this in your employee experience. I kind of had to laugh when I saw that because the other day I had my nieces over, you know, six and nine and, um, Kimberly, sorry, Kimberly, you dropped for a moment. I didn't catch the, uh, the first part of the question. Okay. Okay. So so, so the question is, uh, you talked in your experience about blurred lines. Okay. And I, yeah, I had to laugh because I had that experience when I came into my office and I saw a six year old on my computer. Okay. Um, (laughs) what, what was, what was the results of what did you hear in your study about that? Well, there's some crazy stuff going on and it's got worse through the pandemic as people have been working in their home environments. I think the barrier in their minds between what's work and what's personal, that barrier has got fuzzy and quite blurred. And what we found is that young people in particular have this massive overlap going on between their work life and their personal life. So some examples, 57% of young employees use their work devices for personal use. And then 71% of them use their personal devices for work. And then the most crazy thing is almost half of young people admit that they allow other family members to use their work devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what kind of, I mean, that presents a huge risk, doesn't it? Huge risk, huge risk. And, and I'm pretty sure IT leaders are not aware of this, do not have visibility of this. And it's quite scary. And this was not happening pre-pandemic because, you know, we were quite segmented. We, we went to work and we used our work computer and we logged off when we went home and we used our iPad or whatever. And we were a lot more uh, definitive, I guess, and clear about what we did on which devices. And now through the pandemic, it's all blurred and 
mashed together and people are mixing up all sorts of things. Now, that in itself may not be a problem. Where it becomes a problem is reusing passwords. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's where it gets really dangerous. Yeah, and that, that I want to come to that because I want to talk uh, about some of the studies you've done on password lists. But I, I just like to stay on this for a minute, on, on this this balance between employee experience and endpoint security and mm-hmm. um, and and also this generation Z because you've got them coming in. We've never met them. And that's what you said, you know, and now in your study, you're also showing that um, they're, they're quite a big flight risk. Okay. Is it because they're not satisfied with working the way the working is or what's, what's that about? That's a really interesting one. It's because people have their relationship with their technology has changed over, sorry, their relationship with their companies has changed over the last two years because of the way people are now working remotely or in this hybrid configuration. And people are thinking about technology differently. They're kind of seeing it as the, the lens through which they experience their company. You know, if everything works really well for you and you can be secure and productive, you're, you're probably quite a happy employee. But if your experience is clunky and it's hard to get your devices set up and you're having to reset your passwords all the time and it's hard to get support and you've got clunky tools and you need to use a VPN, then you're going to have a different perspective. And what we found is about 70% of people perceive that other companies are doing a better job with technology. That's their perception. Mm-hmm. Now, it's impossible that, that, that that's true, but that's what people think. And in particular, if we think about the young generations, if we try and push them too hard to adopt company security policies and measures and tools and protocols and all that, they're just going to walk. They're just going to mm-hmm. leave. And that's mm-hmm. part of what we saw happen in 21 with the great resignation. People are just packing up and saying, I'm out of here. I've got better. I've got other options, more flexible options better technology, better benefits. And so we're seeing the workforce be quite shifty and quite sensitive to things that they weren't sensitive to pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So how, how, can, how can employees make that a little bit less clunky? Is there, is there a way or is it just what it is? There are many ways. And it's an ongoing journey. Uh, it really is. It's not a destination you arrive. It's an ongoing journey. And it's all about being very deliberate about Having enough security to make sure that your company is secure, that you're not getting hacked, you're not getting ransomed, but also making sure that your employees can still have a great experience and making decisions on the tools you use, the policies you deploy, the things you ask people to do so that you're giving them a great experience in a way that's secure and getting those two right and constantly thinking about that balance between security and experience. Because many companies will just say it's all about security. And when they try and lay on layers of security, guess what employees do? They just work around it. Mm-hmm. So we know yeah. now from our study that you know, almost half the population say that they consider their security policies to be too restrictive. So they found ways to work around them. And then when uh-huh. we deeper, we find people believe, they perceive that they're more efficient working with Dropbox and Gmail than the tools the company gave them. Mm-hmm. And that really spells failure. If, you know, if you're trying to deploy, say, Office 365 to all your employees and, and a whole bunch of Microsoft security tools, and if your employees say, uh-uh, I prefer to Dropbox and Gmail, that really mm-hmm. means a balance between security and employee experience is not right. And employees mm-hmm. are working around the system, which means they're actually taking bigger risks. Yeah. You know, if your company information is saves in some random Dropbox folder, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a much bigger risk. Yeah. And and where where's management fit in all this? Because, you know, we have leaders now today leading these people they've never met. Um, you know, we have company policies, um, you know, the the old, the fish stinks from the head. I mean, I, I, what kind of role can management play in trying to make this a little bit better? That's a really interesting one. There are two cohorts that I believe will shape the future. One is Gen Z that we talked about before. They bring a different perspective. And then the other is the remote worker community. And we did our study and we looked very deliberately at the behaviors and perceptions and attitudes of remote workers versus office workers. And then we also looked at those who were onboarded remotely during the pandemic versus those who were onboarded in an office environment. And the remote workers are a really interesting bunch. They're actually more security aware, more security conscious than office-based workers. They're a little bit more tech savvy. 
they use more tools, they collaborate more frequently, they're more cognizant of what's going on from a tech perspective and that balance between privacy and security. So I think leaders and companies need to lean into this and involve their remote workers when they're making decisions around what technologies are we going to roll out or how are we going to roll them out? What tools are we going to choose for collaboration and communication? Where do we save our information? I think listening to remote workers and bringing them into the tent and involving them in those decisions would be really smart mm-hmm. because if they're not part of the decision, they're going to work around it. They're, they're very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. And then likewise, embracing Gen Z, kind of bringing them into the tent and getting their help to communicate and define the message and making sure people understand what needs to happen. So I think leadership can learn a lot now from remote workers and Gen Z as we shape and think about the workplace of the future. Mm-hmm. And, and as we shape, um, one more question before we take a break. As we shape this work, this how the workforce looks in the future, um, you, you, in your study on employee experience, you said uh, people feel more productive in the office. Um, do you think pe- more people can come back to the office or do you think it's going to be really a hybrid model of 50-50 or what do you think it's going to look like? This floored us. We did not expect this. <laughs> all the media, all the narratives we've been reading for the last year and a half was, you know, work at home is fantastic. Everybody loves it. That's the way of the future. And that yet when we asked people, where do you feel most productive and do your best work? That was a question. Where do you feel most productive and do your best work? All workers in all generations told us they feel more productive in an office than at home. Wow. Wow. Which is really yeah. fascinating. Really fascinating. And what I think it is when I reflect back on you know what I've learned from in my 30 years in industry, I think it's the value of loose connections. Mm-hmm. So when you're working remotely, you're doing lots of video calls and and, and some phone calls, and you're having one-to-one relationships or, or sometimes one-to-many. But what's not happening is all the informal, casual conversations mm-hmm. that happen in an office environment where you learn about what's happening across the whole company. And you have these loose connections to people in other departments and you have some lightweight knowledge of what's going on in different areas. So your context is richer. You've got a broader context of what and why this company is doing or where you're going in your role. And I feel like remote workers are missing that. And mm-hmm. I think what they're telling us through the data is they probably felt more connected somehow and more in tune with what the company was doing or their organization was doing when they were in an office than being in their little home office in an isolated context. Yeah. It's, it's almost, Dennis, it's almost kind of like the, the silos are, are more existent in the remote because you're, you're not mixing with other departments, I would say. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to I want to talk a little bit, go back into the security, because you mentioned something about passwords being mm-hmm. being um, a problem, and, and you have some interesting data from your study around that. And I'd like to talk about that when we get back from the break. So for our listeners, we're talking to Dennis O'Shea, and he's the founder of Mobile Mentor, a global leader in the endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. The company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for Modern Endpoint Management, primarily for their work helping a live hospice safely treat patients during the COVID-19 COVID-19 pandemic. And if you'd like to reach out to Dennis, you can reach out to him on his website under www.mobile-mentor.com. And Dennis is Dennis O'Shea is has a personal website, DennisO'Shea.com. And he's also on LinkedIn under Dennis, uh, Dennis O'Shea Mobile Mentor and on Twitter at Mobile Mentor and has a great YouTube station. So just go into YouTube and put in Mobile Mentor and you'll get some great informative presentations. Now, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda has virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. Please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And they'll be holding their next conference in Mallorca, Spain, May 16th to 18th. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. 
us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Dennis O'Shea, and he's the founder of Mobile Mentor, a global leader in endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. And his company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for Modern Endpoint Management. So, Dennis, um, really interesting discussions on your research and, and what came out of it. And um, I want to come back to kind of the, the security issues again, um, mm. because we did we did have this massive, you know, you said 500 percent increase in cybercrime in 2020. OK, um, yes. before, before we talk about how we're going to prevent that, that increase, um, was it just because we were all more vulnerable or people were getting clever? Or they said, oh, my God, everybody's at home. Is there any speculation that we didn't expect it? Why it happened? We were vulnerable, yes. We were working remotely outside our traditional office environment and our home network, our home office on, on domestic-grade Wi-Fi, as we discussed before. But the second thing that happened that doesn't really get spoken about a lot is the flood of money that entered society to tackle COVID. Mm. So it was pretty easy to find a spreadsheet that showed you exactly how much COVID money each school received. Right? Yeah. I've got the spreadsheet, which means the bad guys probably have the spreadsheet. Yeah. And the cybercrime will follow the money. Crime mm-hmm. always follows money. So if we know that the school down the road has $2.5 million, the bad guys know exactly how much to ask for when they attack yeah. that school. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. They're following the money. They know where the money is. And then there were you know, three rounds of money doled out here in the U.S. And it's, 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 it's too easy for the bad guys to go and follow that money and target the schools and the hospitals and the, the various organizations that were given grants and relief money and all that. So the bad guys have been, they've just been following the money. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, just to comment to that, unfortunately, it's happening again now with the situation in the Ukraine. Um, the massive yes. cyber attacks. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's just, yes. it's, it's really sad. Um, so right. we, ha- yeah, we have all this going on, the cyber crime. So one of the things you talk about, and you said a little earlier, that, and it came out in your study in Endpoint Security, that passwords are a massive vulnerability. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, we can. I'm very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you think about it, passwords were a great invention back in 1961. 
But then we found found out in 2021 that passwords are actually the primary reason for all this cybercrime. So we found out that most cyber attacks start with compromised credentials. So, you know, we we used to trust the combination of our username and password, and, and we had a number of different combinations for all our different accounts. And as we started having too many passwords, people naturally get a little bit lazy and they try and find ways and find patterns and ways of managing all the passwords in their minds. And, you know, we're not walking databases. We can't remember all these different long passwords with extra characters and numbers and all that. And we can't change them every 90 days. We just can't handle that. So we find ways of cheating and hacking. And what we found is that 29% of people write their work passwords in a personal journal. Mm-hmm. And about 25% of people put their work passwords on a notes app in their personal phone. Mm-hmm. And people are just doing these crazy things to cope with the volume of passwords they have. And then we see people are using the same passwords for their work accounts and their personal accounts. So their social accounts or banking or their utility or all their streaming services. And people form these patterns. Like it's quite common for someone to have the same password for all their streaming services or all the social services, but that password then kind of creeps into some of their work stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And when the bad guys crack our passwords, which is pretty easy to do nowadays, yeah. they can then get access to a number of our accounts and, and get a get a position in our in our lives or in our companies or in our networks. And then they can sit silently for a while and just observe what's happening and then move sideways or move up or get more and more control in our company networks. So it's actually very scary to see how Nowadays, the bad guys don't need to break into our networks. They just mm-hmm. log in with our weakest password. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Log in. And we all have those habits. I know it. Um, I, it's just, yeah. You know, so so let's talk about what what life could look like, you know, passwordless. You know, how do we, what is a passwordless future look like? Well, People are a bit miffed at first when we talk about going passwordless, but actually we're closer to it than most people realize. So Kimberly, do you use an iPhone or an iPad? Yep. You do? Mm-hmm. So if you think about the experience you have, you probably switch on that device and it scans your face, recognizes you as Kimberly Lewis mm-hmm. and logs you in. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're signed into your um, iPad operating system or your iPhone operating system. And then you automatically get access to the applications that are trusted by that operating system. And mm-hmm. that's called single sign-on. So you mm-hmm. had one single sign-on event, which was your, you, it used biometrics to scan your face, recognized you by taking 300,000 data points from, from that scan. And said, so this is uniquely Kimberly Lewis. We're going to sign her in and allow you to have access to your applications. And some applications, they may ask you to do a two-factor authentication. So you get a mm-hmm. code on your phone and you punch it in. Well, those three things combined are the three building blocks of going mm-hmm. passwordless. So it's mm-hmm. biometrics. It could be your fingerprint. In the future, it might be your voice, you know, your voice signature, or just scanning your face, and then single sign-on to all the applications you use, and then some kind of two-factor authentication to say, yes, it's me, or approve on a different device. Mm-hmm. And when we combine those three together, that gives us this beautiful experience where it's a much better experience for the employee, and it's much better security than having all these awful passwords that we're writing down in our journals and saving in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you're right, because I mean, we're there with some fingerprints and, and face yes. recognition, um, but I find it quite sporadic. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, maybe I'm yeah. using it, but um, uh, how long do you think it's going to be before we start to really streamline that and say, this is what we all have to do? It will depend on our companies. And a lot of the work we're doing is helping organizations get there faster. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about all the new devices we're buying now, you buy a new laptop, so you buy a Windows laptop or you buy, you know, whatever. Most of them come with an encryption chip and an infrared camera. So they can scan Mm -hmm. your face. Capability Mm -hmm. is there. But companies have legacy technology. They have legacy Mm -hmm. applications. They have some things that are holding them back. So it's all about being able to move forward and burn those bridges and let go of the legacy and adopt this more modern way of signing into our, our devices and our applications. So the technology is there and it's really cheap. You know, the mm-hmm. cost is not the barrier to entry here. It's really about 
getting ourselves out of the hole we dug over the last 20 years when we built corporate networks with domains and firewalls and VPNs and all these passwords. We have to get ourselves out of that hole and be able to work in this future configuration where we're serverless, we're passwordless, we're paperless, we're lightweight businesses that are mainly in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And we've got much better security because we're not trusting our security to some server in the corner or some legacy VPN that we used to trust. Now we're, we're, we're embracing a modern security model that follows us on any device, anywhere we work, in our homes and an airport, wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think maybe when you talk about legacy companies too, sometimes you said it doesn't really cost, but sometimes there may be this myth that this is going to cost a really lot. Um, it, could that be holding some companies back? I'm, I mean, if you compare that to getting cyber attacked and asking for, you know, two five two two million or two two million, uh, probably worth it. But do you think there's some some misconceptions around that? Certainly, there are misconceptions, um, and some companies are simply bogged down because they've got old stuff they need to maintain. And, mm-hmm. and the most common, the most common thing I see is that IT teams and companies we work with are simply under resourced. You know, mm-hmm. They're doing a superhuman job just to keep the lights on, just to get devices ready for somebody new starting next week, just to update their software. And so they don't get the headspace and they don't get the time to focus on the security initiatives that could help them modernize and leapfrog into a, a better future um, paradigm. So it's just putting in an, a, enough people and giving the existing people the headspace to make the change. Mm-hmm. Cost not is very rarely the barrier. Yeah, it's really, really. And um, just one more question on sec- security, Dennis. It came out in your study also um, about you know the use of shadow IT and it's out of control. Okay, um, because that that that's a risk factor. Could you say a couple words about that? I can, of course. So what we see happening is employees in their home office and in their own wisdom go and start using some some cloud applications or services that the company did not provide. Mm-hmm. And they typically do it out of frustration that they, they can't do what they need to do. It's usually something to do with collaboration. It's usually I need to share a big file mm-hmm. and I yep. can't do it easily with my, within with my company's tools. So I'm going to use one of these cool cloud-based tools. Yep. And now they're sharing the company data on you know tools that were not sanctioned by the company. And the risk starts there. So... What, we, what we're seeing is it, it's driven by frustration. It's driven by the inadequacy of legacy tools to serve the modern world. Mm. And this is where I think listening to remote workers and figuring out what do they need to do? How are they collaborating with other companies or with partners or suppliers or academic organizations? How can we make their life easier and remove the temptation for them to use Dropbox or whatever the unsanctioned tools are. You know, if you're trying to run a secure company and you want people to use your tools, you've got to make sure that they're easy to use and people don't have the temptation to work around you. Yeah, and, and I got to admit, I fall in that category. I also find something <laughs> the easiest one to send a big file or make something from a PDF to a Word document or something like that. But anyways, there, there um, you go. Uh, yeah, it sorry. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. So Dennis, we're getting we're getting towards the end of our show, and I just um this has been really fatness fascinating. Um, your research paper is absolutely amazing, and um, we we have a lot of companies, a lot of managers. Um, our listeners are primarily you know management level and um and above. What you know, wrapping this all up. Um, what's your advice to them going forward? If I could give one piece of tactical advice, it would be to go passwordless. It will be to really, really focus on that and enable your company and your employees to get away from this nightmare of everybody managing 97 passwords. That's, mm-hmm. you know, we know that is a, a terrible environment now getting hacked because of it. So that would be my one piece of tactical advice. Mm-hmm. My piece of strategic advice to company leaders is to listen to your remote workers and listen to Gen Z and lean on them to help you shape a better modern hybrid workplace because they will help you get it right much faster than the legacy thinking that got us to where we are now. If we're going to you know, thrive into the future, our thinking will have to be shaped by what remote workers are doing out there in their home offices and what Gen Z 
is bringing to the workplace in terms of their expectations and attitudes. Mm-hmm. So that was my strategic advice. Great advice. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Dennis O'Shea, and he's the founder of a Mobile Mentor, a global leader in the endpoint ecosystem, helping clients to navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. Uh, his company was named Microsoft's 2021 Global Partner of the Year for Modern Endpoint Management. And if you'd like to reach out to Dennis, please go to his website, www mobile slash mentor.com. Dennis also has his own website and a blog under dennisoshea.com. And O'Shea is O-S-H-E-A. And he's also on LinkedIn under Dennis O'Shea Mobile Mentor, Twitter on Mobile Mentor. And they also have a great YouTube a uh, YouTube channel with some some very informative interviews. So just go to Mobile Mentor on YouTube. And Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you, Kimberly. It's been a real privilege. Yeah, it's really been very, very informative. And also for our li- listeners, this show has been brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's uh, largest, fastest-growing digital nonprofit associations connecting SMBs and digital players throughout Europe. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. They also have a Thursday night leadership presentation at 1700 every Thursday, uh, 1700 Central European time. And you can learn a lot about digital in those leadership Thursdays. And they have their next conference that's going to be held in Mallorca, Spain, May 16th to 18th. So please, again, go to www.cinda.org. And please listen to us every Tuesday evening at 3 p.m. Pacific time or 1500 Pacific time. And we are on also every major podcast platform. So if you cannot listen to us live, don't worry about it because you can find us all over the net. And with that, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you again, Dennis, and tune in to us next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.